0: They're in Romans chapter number 14, and this evening, the topic that I want to talk about is basically just exercising judgment, and when it comes to the subject of judging someone or judging something, uh, a lot of times we'll go to Matthew chapter number 7, and I thought about starting there, but the thing is, we'd just be rehearsing the same thing. We all know what Matthew chapter 7 says. We understand how people twist that subject and teach it and basically make it out to be like we're never allowed to judge anything at all. And when it comes to judgment, I think we live in a society that lacks so much authority today, that lacks so much judgment, that it's one of these issues that we need to take a really strong stand on. But before you can do that, you really need to make sure that you're not judging in an area where you have no authority or place to do that whatsoever. So before I get into the real hardcore lay down the law judgment type of stuff, we need to lay some groundwork first on basically areas that you should be judging and areas that you shouldn't be judging and you have no reason to. So you just read through Romans chapter number 14 and as Brother Chris was reading, you would have heard uh, him talking about the meat and that don't judge people based on the meat that they eat. Be fully persuaded in your own mind. And it literally goes on to say that basically if you feel in your heart that eating a certain kind of meat would be wrong, that you would be sinning to eat that meat. And so not to, just because you're aware that it's not a sin, force somebody else to eat it or cause them to sin by watching you eat it just to avoid it completely and then not to judge them or feel some different way about them because they do that. In the beginning part of it, though, uh, look at verse number 1 and read a few verses here. It says, "...him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eat despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand." First area I want to talk about that none of us have any business judging at all is judging another man's servant. And an example that I kind of want to paint this picture in your head, imagine that Brother Brian hires a guy to do a bunch of yard work outside of his house, and I show up when the guy's almost done, and I look at it and think that it just looks absolutely terrible, that the guy did a horrible job, and I don't want Brian to get ripped off by some guy that says he's going to do a good job and he doesn't do a good job. So then I go up to the guy, go off on him, tell him he's done a horrible job, this is ridiculous, he should give it to him for free, whatever. And then I go inside and I talk to Brian. Brian comes out to see the job that's done and he's like, this is great, exactly how I asked you to do it. You know? Now, the thing is, me arriving and going off on this guy that he paid to do it, I have no idea that he told him to cut the yard and make it look awful, but you know, maybe he just has bad taste or something like that. But you know, it's, there's no reason for me to get involved and engage in that thing because even if the guy did do a bad job, even if it is bad, who's the person that paid him to do the work? Not me. Whose property is it? Not mine. So why do I care? I have no reason to say anything about that. It's not my yard. It's not my position. And at the end of the day, the only thing I really accomplished was just make that guy's day even worse by going off on him for no reason. I mean, how would you feel if you're just at work and some random stranger that you don't even know just comes up and goes off on you and says you're doing a horrible job? Like they're not with your company or anything. Literally just tells you you're doing a horrible job. It's just, well, there goes the day. You know, it's it's not something that any one of us should want to do. And we wouldn't want to do that. Now, kind of going along the same lines, go to Colossians chapter number three. Another area that we really have no business judging in any way at all is another man's wife. There's no... I I was trying to think when I was writing through this sermon, is there any instance where I would feel the need to go and rebuke another person's wife? And I thought of tons of wild scenarios and never was there one instance where I'm like, yeah, that would be a reason that I should withstand her to the face and go off on her you know there's no reason at all but Colossians chapter number three and verse number 18 it says wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the lord now something that you'll see people do and especially on the more hardcore end of the spectrum is basically read it as basically women submit to men and that men in general are just over authority of all women and that is not true. You're, you're missing some very important subcategories there. Women, yeah, I guess you could say are in subjection to men, but those men, it's either her husband or her father. Okay, that is who women are subject to. So if you are not either one of those things, then you're just another person to her and you have no authority whatsoever. But so think about this example. All right, say that you, outside perspective, are looking at a family, and you see a woman who is working outside of the home and, in your opinion, neglecting her duties as a mother and a keeper at home, all right? Now, the Bible says in Titus chapter number 2, in verse 4, it says that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So it says that we're basically supposed to teach the younger woman to be keepers at home. Now say that there's a situation that you look at and uh, there's a woman who is working outside of the home. And in your opinion, you think that that's wrong. And to be honest, I think if we're going to have a most effective family model, that it's better for the woman to stay at home and to be a keeper at home. But so in this example, maybe the family's eating out a lot. Because mom gets home, she's tired, she doesn't feel like cooking because she just worked a whole day. Uh, maybe the kids aren't as well behaved as your kids or other kids because they're at a daycare or at a public school or something like that. And based off of your observations, you think this woman's not fulfilling her role as a keeper at home. She needs rebuked sharply. You know, this is a big deal. Well, here's the thing. In that scenario, maybe you don't know that that's a real issue of conflict. And that her husband wants her to do that, okay? So what would be better? For the woman to basically disobey her husband and be disobedient to the scriptures in that area, or just to do what her husband wants her to do, you know? According to the Bible, I think that the best answer would be to submit to her husband as he wants her to do. Now you say, well, the husband's doing a bad job of leading. Well, you know what? He'll answer directly to God for that someday, and that's it. But you know what? The woman in the eyes of God will be doing exactly what she's doing by just listening and submitting to her husband in that area. Now, when it comes to this, you know, maybe the woman really would like to stay home. You know, maybe she really would like to spend more time with kids and be able to cook and do all these other things, but she is just submitting and being obedient to her husband and then you, knucklehead idiot, comes along and is just like, "Why aren't you staying home? That would be the much better thing." Maybe she would like to, but in submission to her husband, she is not doing that. That is the thing where you know that 's just one example of something that you might look at in somebody else 's home and not really understand it. another one where when it comes to when it, when it comes to people 's wives this is something that really bothers me, and i 'm going to get into it why it really bothers me later in the sermon, but just when you as an individual not married to a woman, think that you have control over somebody else 's wife that just if, if I saw somebody some random guy t- giving my wife all these instructions. That, I'm sorry, buddy. You know what? You didn't get permission from her father to marry her. You didn't stand when she walked down the aisle and you took a marriage vow till death did you part. You're not the one that goes out and works and provides for her. You have no right to tell my wife anything under any circumstance. All right. But so here's another example, social media. All right. Some people complain about what women do on social media and some people think, well, they should be able to have it, but there's only certain things that they can do with it. You know what? There are situations where I see women do things on social media that I think, yeah, they probably shouldn't be on social media. But you know what? There's other times where I see men on social media that I think, this guy can't handle social media. There are some extremely, ridiculously dramatic people. And and social media can be a very toxic thing to be on. And there are some people that just cannot handle it. And whether it just be they see something said about them, they lose their mind. Here's the thing. If you're going to be on any type of platform at all, people are going to say hurtful things about you. Uh, There's these things on social media accounts that you can just make an account with any random name and say anything you want with no consequences. And people say mean, nasty things. And if you don't want to live, you know, I think that there's luxuries to social media, and I think there's nice things. But if you're not capable of sitting and handling horrible things said about you, don't get social media. Don't talk to people. Don't get involved with it live in real life honestly it's way better than social media is anyways all right but so if you have a problem with what someone's wife is doing on social media or anything like that maybe her husband doesn't have a problem with it maybe her husband wants her to do that you know i don't know it honestly if i saw my wife on social media causing a bunch of problem, my wife probably wouldn't have social media anymore you know but the good thing is is that my wife doesn't do that so i don't really care you know, about social media that she has or anything like that because I don't have a problem and I think that she can handle it all right. But the thing is, I've got enough to worry about with a wife and three children and a job and all these different things in my life. When would I have time to worry about all of your guys' wives and random wives on the internet? I've got enough with one, you know, and I wouldn't want to deal with all of the extra things that come along with monitoring anyone. And there's no circumstance where I could ever think, that I would need to go to some other guy's wife and tell her that she's doing something wrong or rebuke her or any of these other things. I'm not her husband. I have no place and no responsibility to do that whatsoever. And if I really, really saw something where I thought somebody's wife is way out of line, this cannot go undealt with or anything, and I seriously had a problem with it and it was vexing my soul not to do anything about it, then I would talk to her husband about it. And that's it. You know, there's no reason that I would go up to her. And the thing is, if I talk to the husband, the husband's like, hey, I know she does that. I don't care. Then I'm done. You know, it's it's not my place or my position along the same line of thinking. Go to Ephesians chapter number six. Children, I put them in the same exact category. If it's not your kid, most of the time, it's not your problem. And when it comes to children, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter six and verse number one. It says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth." Who are children supposed to obey? Adults in general or their parents, all right? And I don't think that we should just raise kids to just be these blatantly disobedient people that don't respect anybody and don't respect adults. I think it's important to teach children respect to adults. But here's the thing. Everybody's kid is, well, your children are not everybody's children, and everybody does things differently. I I think just every person in this room, in terms of the rules that you have for your kids and the way that you do things and the way that your house runs, everybody probably has differences in every area all right? And you might feel really strongly about some things that I might not care about or even think about at all. And then there might be things that I feel really strongly about that you're just like, it's a non-issue, okay? Now, if all of us just get together and we just swap kids for a week, it would be chaos, all right? Because everybody has their own home and the things that they do. And so think about how confusing it is to a child who is being told to do something by their parents And in their minds and in their parents' minds, they're doing something right. And then some other adult doesn't like what they're doing and comes on and just goes off on their kid. I mean, how would you feel if you were just walking through the grocery store and say that you told one of your little kids to go get a bag of chips off the shelf and you find out that you're, you know, like I I was thinking to myself of Gabriel because I'm thinking in perspective of me because I'm thinking about my kids, not your kids. You know, but so if Gabriel would go into the store and grab a bag of chips off the shelf or something like that, and then I was just thinking about, you know, some older woman going off on him, like, what are you doing grabbing chips off the shelf or something like that? Now, think about it from his perspective. He's doing exactly what his parent just told him to do, and then another adult is going off on him telling him not to do the exact thing that I just told him to do, okay? Complete confusion in his head. I don't even think he would know what to do. You know, but, you know, from my perspective, that would make me really mad, you know, and and if I ever saw somebody yelling at my kid for doing the exact thing that I told him to do, that'd be really frustrating because they're my kid. You know, they, I pay for their food. I raise them. I give them a place to live. You don't do any of that. You have nothing to say about them. You know, it, everybody has their own family. You know, what we really need to establish in this country in this church and everything, is strong individual family units. And everybody is going to be able to do their own different thing. Your own family has different rules. Your own family has a different way of life. Even in this church, when we can think of so many different similarities that all of us have just in doctrine and things that we believe, I guarantee every single one of our homes are vastly different in many different areas. And so we can't just expect everybody to be the same. Now, the thing is, when it comes to what you're going to do with your kids, some parents are going to want their kids to have more liberty. Some parents think that their kids are going to go crazy, and they really might, and you might want to wait until they get older to give them more liberty to go do something with stuff. But my personal rule, unless a parent specifically asks me, uh, watch my kid, tell my kid not to do something, if it's not my kid, it's not my problem. If one of your kids starts screaming or throwing a fit or doing whatever, and you look like you've got it, trust me, I'm not going to intervene in that situation. I don't want to intervene in that situation. I don't like it when my kids are screaming and crying. I'm definitely not going to help when yours are. You know, so it's just weird. Is it not weird when you just think about, like, bad things? You know, like, do you really want to get home after a long day of work and just have a deep emotional conversation with your wife about all these different things? But it's like these random people on the Internet would want to do that with random women you know, and controlling their lives and all these other things. I can't comprehend that. Or or just like dealing with a screaming kid or a horrible situation. I mean, that's one of the worst things in my mind. Like when you're just out in a public place or you're in church and your kid just throws himself on the floor and starts screaming, that's like worst case scenario, you know, but that happens. And it's like other people want to get involved in that situation. That doesn't make sense. All right. Unless somebody asks your probably better off just not to do it. But so when it comes to where we want to judge, you know, we we don't just want to focus on the things not to judge because that's what everybody wants to do today. Don't judge this. Don't judge that. Don't judge this. Don't judge that. And our culture as a whole has gotten significantly worse since everybody just started parroting around. Don't judge this. Don't judge that. And you'll literally have churches today full of just fornication, full of drunkenness, full of lasciviousness, and all these other things And it's just screaming from the top, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. I mean, I can think of a church that I know back at home that I know multiple people in the church living in open fornication, and it's just like nobody cares because we're not supposed to judge. And any of these things. And while there are some situations and some circumstances where we can look at it and say, hey, you don't really know. Like, for example, a woman working outside of the home. You don't know why she's doing that. You don't know whether that might just be what her husband wants her to do. But there's no explanation and no circumstance where fornication is tolerable. There's no circumstance where open, blatant sin is tolerable and we're just not supposed to you know, acknowledge it or do anything as a church. But when we're thinking about areas that we have jurisdiction over, I want to think about this from the perspective of everybody. So when it comes to children, they're under the authority of their parents, I believe, until they're married. And they don't have authority over any other person or thing unless they're given authority over someone by their parents or maybe they get older and they are given authority over somebody at, like, a workplace or something. But, you know, like, when you think about it, you know, as kids get older, you might give them temporary authority over a sibling or something, but that doesn't mean that a kid gets temporary authority over a sibling, and it just turns into permanent authority, and they're their sibling's boss. You know, Gabriel is only three and a half years old, and he's already getting into this annoying phase of just, he's the boss of Zoe, and it's just... It's not flying well, <laughs> you know. Uh, that's all I'll say on that. But, you know, you don't want kids to basically be acting like they've got all this authority or anything else like that. They don't. They, they, you know, and it's like when you're younger, the only thing you want is just power and authority and all these other things. And it's like as you get older and you actually get responsibilities given to you, you understand why, hey, when you're 13 years old, it's probably not good to ha- worry about having all this authority in your life because it's actually a lot of work to deal with if you're going to do the job well. But another thing that I see a lot today is when when it comes to children before they're married is this idea about uh, girlfriends submitting to their boyfriends before they're even married. And, you know, it's like people will talk about this, and it's like, well, we're going to get married someday, so I should practice now submitting to them. Let me explain something. When... If you want to prepare for marriage in terms of when it comes to that situation and basically submitting to another person, why don't you just submit to the authority that's already in your life? All right? If you are a girl, you want to get married, and you think that, you know, unless you're submitting to some random guy, that you're not going to be able to be a good wife, just submit to your father. That's it. You know, that's the authority in your life at that current time. Because this same exact thing, it's like girls that want to do that, they don't want to actually submit to the authority in their life and their father. And then you know what happens? They get married and they don't want to actually submit to the authority in their life and their husband at that point in time. What you want to see is a, you want to see two different people coming together that have a respect for authority in their lives and all these other things. Because one thing, and then I'm going to get to this at the end of the sermon, under like we, every single person in this room, in our individual family, and it's in everything, we are under authority from God, okay? And God has placed different authorities in our lives and different structures, but all of us are accountable to God and will stand before God one day and answer for the things that we've done and the things that we've been given at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, when it comes to that, we're all under this authority from him. Now... God has given us authority in our lives. So, like I mentioned earlier, with a wife working outside of the home, maybe she's not doing everything as good as you think that she should. Well, what is her command from God that she's to submit to her husband? So, if she's submitting to her husband and her husband's just a sorry leader, she's still doing everything that she should be doing and is required to do. And that, I think God looks at situations like that and really values that situation, especially when you're reading through and you're reading the passage about. Where it talks about winning over the unbelieving husband and the different things to do there, and just to uh, submit anyways, or the, you know that you shouldn't leave a spouse just because they're an unbeliever. You get saved later in life. It's important. And I think God really values and appreciates those types of things. But if you're wondering whether or not someone's going to be a good spouse, or whether they're going to go through the rest of their life and you know do well, look at how they respect and treat authority before their marriage. Because the thing is, a husband doesn't just all of a sudden get married and now he's just macho man, leader of the world. He still has to answer to God, all right? And if he won't obey his parents on earth and the physical authority in his life that he sees every day, do you think he's going to obey the father that he can't see physically? Absolutely not. It's the same exact way when you're reading in the the book of 1 John And it talks about how if you hate your brother, there's no way that you love God because you see your brother physically on earth. If you hate them, there's no way that you love God that you can't see. And when it comes to obeying authority, it's the same way. Don't listen to these hardcore, zealot young adults that are just like, oh, well, I I can't respect my parents or I can't give any authority to my parents because my parents aren't saved. Your parents are still your earthly authority, even if they're not saved. And if somebody is just completely neglecting all the different things when it comes to their parents and their actual authority on this earth, I'm telling you, that is a major red flag, and they're not going to respect their authority from God when it comes to that. Now, once we get married, we've pretty much already covered the details of that, and I think people know them really well and what the marriage roles are, but I want to give you this thought when it comes to uh, your parents even after you're married. You know, in Ephesians chapter six, if you're still there, it says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And it references then the, I think it's either the fifth or sixth commandment, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So when you get married, the Bible says that you leave father and mother and cleave to your wife. But the thing is, children aren't leaving their parents and getting married when they're still children. This is the point when they've become adults. They understand what their parents were, the things that their parents taught. And just kind of thinking about this, I think that the command changes a little bit as you get older. But I don't think that basically the second you leave the home, everything at home just doesn't matter anymore. Back with your parents. I think there's a bit of a transition where it starts out where at one point in time, you are obeying your parents and then you leave the home you cleave to your wife and you honor your parents so the thing is and, and just think about this I, a lot of people today are just really self-centered and they don't think about different things in just the way that they are it's really disrespectful to god to just be an abomination to the lord sin openly against the lord not give any care to him because were it not for god you and this whole world and everything in it that's just enticing your flesh to dis- disobey the things of God, the only reason it's even there is because God created it in the first place. And you know what? When it comes to your parents, the only reason you exist is because of your parents, all right? You would not exist were it not for your father and for your mother. And there was a point in time in my life, just because of, you know, different things, like my parents got divorced and I was very young. I don't even have any memories of them being young. And at one point in my life, I was just really frustrated with my parents and didn't really want to you know, talk to them that much or any of these other things. But then once I had my own kids, and I, you see how much effort it takes just to keep a newborn baby alive, and it's like, there's nothing that my mom could ever do that would make me hate her and not want to talk to her. You know, so, listen, you're alive in this room today. Somebody, when you were not even a year old for a year, months, woke up with you in the middle of the night, changed your diapers, kept you fed, all these other things, and then you, later in life, want to turn around and spit in the face of them, that's just despicable. And, and it's wrong. You say, well, my parents were wrong to me, or they, they did things that I don't like. You would not even be here today, all right? And I'm not saying that basically if your parents are neglecting the things of God, your parents don't want anything to do with the things of God, that you should just you know, not do anything with the things of God because of your parents. But what I'm saying is, is that in every area that you can, you should give honor to your father and mother. You should care about them. You should love them. Even if you've been hurt in the past or any of these other things, and I speak from someone from a perspective that's been hurt in the past, and honestly, it's one of those things where I just don't even really want to talk about it because I don't want to make my parents look bad in any way, you know? I am very thankful for them. I literally would not exist without them, and I love my life, you know? And And I've been greatly blessed and had many different things. And, you know, people will make the argument, well, all the things that I have is because I worked for him. and my parents didn't give me anything. Your parents are the reason that you can breathe and have a heart and all these other things that keep you going in this life. We should give honor to our father and mother, regardless of any of these things. Now, when it comes to your workplace, you'll usually have a boss and authority over you. You should be submissive to your boss in your workplace unless they ask you to do something that is sinful. And you should respect that authority. We need to just allow ourselves to respect the authority that's in our life. And, and this is the thing that I see, and it goes back to the pride thing that I mentioned earlier and just getting married, wanting to be a macho man, wanting to be bigger than the whole entire world. And it's just as soon as you walk out of the church and you're married, it's like, I never have to listen to anybody again. Wrong. You still do. You, uh, unless you're just CEO of the world you will have a boss that you will report to and that you will be—you uh, you will need to respect. And so many people today, it's just like, well, I don't like my boss, so I don't want to listen to him. Or I don't like my place of work, so I don't want to listen. Tough. You still need to. If we're not respecting authority in our life and we're not giving uh, the proper authority in our life and putting it in its place, then we are honestly contributing to the downfall of society just as much as all the different things societal junk that we hate today you know america is a good country and was a good country because of different things that were in the society and you think about the different pioneers and the businesses that came up and all these other things those were companies of hundreds and thousands of people all with employees all with bosses over them organizing the whole thing and people listening and respecting their bosses and today it's like companies just falling apart because they get these blue-haired freaks in there that can't listen to anybody can't listen to anything if they you know are given a command or something that they don't like and it's like that but you know what here's the sad thing it's not just the blue-haired freaks it's the sharp haircut conservative that doesn't want to listen to their boss it's just the culture in America people don't respect authority in their lives and if you want to act like you're all tough and can uh, judge your home and deal with all these different things listen If you don't respect authority in your lives, don't be surprised when the people that you're in authority over don't respect your authority back. You are going to be given exactly what you put out in this world. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you think that you can be a jerk to your boss at work and come home and expect your wife to listen to you, you are dead wrong. It's not going to happen. So with that, go to 1 Samuel chapter number 3 and verse 10. So we've laid all the groundwork. Now we need to get into you know, our areas of judgment, and taking control and not um, allowing things to get out of hand. And an example that you see here, just a short passage I want to read from it, but basically what you're reading about uh, Eli, and you read about his sons and the direct message that Samuel gets from God when it comes to all this. Now look at first Samuel chapter number three and verse number 10. Says and the Lord came and stood and called us at other times Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that heareth shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I began, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever, for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile. And he restrained them not. When it comes to your children, your children should not be running the house. You are the parent. You run the house. All right? When, when you hear about just these chaotic situations and just ridiculous things and just teenagers spitting in the face of mom and cussing mom out and all these other things, and the mom just sits there like, well, I guess they win. You know, it's... No, they don't win. They're kids. You are in charge of them. You are the authority. And, you know, it's like people get so worried about breaking their kids' hearts about, you know, oh, I got into an argument with them, and, you know, I fought until I won, but I made them cry. Listen, you have no idea what they're going to turn into if you just continue to allow your teenager to run all over you and dominate your house. They're going to turn into a horrible, horrible person. And I remember uh, there was a time... Uh, when my dad was married to his third wife, that she brought three kids with her. And they were the most disrespectful kids that I had ever seen in my life. And I mean, like I was living under the same roof as these people. It was a nightmare. You know, there was one night, basically the way that the house was set up, I think it was a three bedroom house upstairs. And then we turned it into a five bedroom house. So down in the basement, I got my own room, and I was excited about it because I'm in the basement. i got my computer. I can just play video games all day, whatever. Well, right above my room was where uh, these two boys were staying. And I think it was like one was a first grader. The other was probably in fourth grade. So we're talking about like a 7-year-old, you know, 10-year-old, whatever, somewhere around that age. I remember one day that the mom told the kid... To just go clean his room and he cussed her out bad seven-year-old all right cusses the mom out dropping all the worst words and everything and then she basically was just like okay whatever and just left and it's like as a seven a seven-year-old i mean the kid was really short too i mean like probably like you know only weighed like 60 pounds and this mom is just letting a seven-year-old dominate her no you are the authority there and you're doing extremely disservice to yourself and to your kid by not doing anything about that. And if you feel like your house is just chaos, like you can't get anything under control, everything's a disaster, exercise some judgment. You know, it, it shouldn't be that way. And I get it. You know, we've all got younger kids here. We all understand that younger kids can be chaos, you know. Uh, my three-month-old son is not going to be tamed when he's crying in the middle of the night. You just have to deal with it, all right? But, you know, that doesn't mean that my three-and-a-half-year-old son has to be total chaos all the time. If he's total chaos, I can deal with it, you know? But so all these different things, and especially, too, just a side note, pray for all the moms during this time that are dealing with the sickness and all this other stuff. It's bad, man. I mean, just watching the stuff that my wife is dealing with, I didn't even feel that good when we were dealing with it, but I was glad at the times that I could go to work. And I actually worked extra during that time because I just wanted to be out of the house and just all the sickness and everything. And dealing with it, it's a really tough job. And, you know, being a mom and staying home with kids, it is tough, but you're making it way tougher on yourself when you just allow the kids to run the house. Parents run the house. Children obey the parents. And some situations, it might be really hard to work and to get to the point Where that happens, but I'm telling you, it might be hard for a little bit, but it's going to be worth it on the other side when you actually have a functioning home. Uh, When it comes to uh, marriage and the different things there, referencing back the example that I had earlier, you know, obviously we talked about the perspective from the wife that, you know, she's just doing what her husband wants her to do, she's obeying the Lord in that area. Okay, well, what if you're the husband and your wife is working outside of the home and you don't want her to? take control of your household, you know? I'm not saying that you just come in like a volcano and erupt all over the place and blow your marriage up and destroy everything, but I'm saying you wanna act big and tough and all these other things, get your own house under control. It's amazing how you'll have so many people, and I was thinking about this and I think I figured out why people do this. You have all these people with disasters of marriages that want to control other people's wives and make comments on their wives and the things that they're doing. And I think what it is is that they know and they feel like little pathetic men that can't control their own wives. And so it's like they look at a woman that's a submissive wife and it's like, oh, well, I'll just be able to control her. It will make me have better self-esteem or something. You know, to be able to just have one person in the whole world listen to you for one second, you know. And yeah, it would be frustrating to live in a house where basically all your words are just in one ear and right out the other. But if that's the case in your home, get control of your home, man. Don't go off and try to control other people's homes. You are a disaster on your own, you know? And if your whole life you're just going through and you're dealing with just a horrible marriage, horrible situation, you are the leader of that home. It's your fault, all right? Everybody, when it comes to marriage, wants to always blame one party or the other. And everybody talks about, you know, this, and it's like, oh, well, it's always a little bit of both. It's their fault. My opinion, it's the husband's fault every time. They are the leader. If you want the ability to stand up and say, I'm the leader, I am the leader, everybody looks at me, I'm a celebrity, whatever, but then you don't want to deal with the consequences when things go bad, you're not cut out for it, all right? And if your marriage completely fails and blows up, you take the blame for it. You're the leader of that home. When the Titanic sunk, who did they blame? The captain. If it made it all the way across, who were they going to give the credit to? The captain, all right? If your marriage fails, husbands, you're the one to blame. It's your fault. Well, my wife went out and did that. I don't care. Your fault. You're the leader. If you want to be treated like a leader and you want your wife to listen to you and respect you, then be willing to take the fall. If things go bad, be the leader and be someone to step up. Now, when it comes to um, another situation, as a congregation, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. As a congregation and as a church, we have a responsibility... To judge in this church. all right. in First Corinthians chapter number six, you have the Apostle Paul writing about um, not going to law against one another and that we should be able to just judge this. Look in verse number one, 1 Corinthians chapter number six, it says, "Dare any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not how that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life? If ye then have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, no, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? We should be capable as a church Of figuring things out on our own without having to bring in outside parties and outside sources all the time all right and one thing today that really frustrates me there's a bunch of people out there that are wanting to deal with abuse in churches and and abuse in churches is a hot button issue all right where everybody, you know, you got all these people out there that think that every single church is just this den of ravening wolves that are there to prey on women and prey on children and all these other things. That's just not true. But it also is true that there are plenty of situations where things like that happen. Here's my opinion. This stuff has gotten completely hijacked and way out of hand in terms of how churches are expected to deal with certain issues. One thing that I just cannot wrap my mind around is that it's like any time that a pastor ever does anything, we always have to get the outside, you know, third party in here to judge the situation. Why? Is the church not capable of doing that? You know, I think that there's a lot of situations where churches have done a really bad job and demonstrated that they're not capable of that, but at that point, that's just a shame to them, all right? The blueprint for dealing with sin in the church is that we as a congregation are capable of dealing with that we as a congregation are able to look our brother that sinned in the face and rebuke him and deal with it, all right? We don't need to bring in a lawyer into the church to sit and comb through every little thing and come up with a solution that we think is going to work and then we as a church submit to some random lawyer and deal with it. No, we as a church should be capable. If you attend a church where you've got to bring in third-party sources and deal with all these other things, that should be spoken to your shame, all right? The situation where you bring in the third party source is when you're calling the police to turn somebody in if they've done something illegal, well after you've already done anything. But in terms of who figures that out, the church figures that out. We come together, we decide, oh, okay, someone was doing something illegal, call the police and turn them in. Not, there's a, there's a situation, call the third party and we have no idea about anything that happened and it's like, you know, got into a fight, stole somebody's parking space you know, work out a stupid resolution or whatever. We as a church should be capable of dealing with these things. And, you know, when it comes to the authority structure in our church, we as a congregation and as a church honestly submit to Pastor Murtry and the things that he does. And the thing is, is whenever you start talking about something like that, people get really edgy like, well, you know, yeah, he can preach and say something, but if I don't believe it, I don't have to necessarily practice it. And yeah, that's true. And the thing is, I know Pastor Murcher. he doesn't want to be lording over your life and worrying if the, you're doing every little piece of advice that he might give you. But I'll also say this, if your whole attitude is just wanting to come here and just literally never listen to anything and not do anything, what are you even doing here? If, if your attitude is just, I'm going to come and sit in church and everything that comes across the pulpit, I disagree with, but I just like coming for the fellowship. There's no reason for you to be here. That doesn't even make sense. If you disagree with everything that comes across, you are not being spiritually fed. That's a bad place to be. If every word that comes across, you're just looking in your Bible and finding a way to debunk it, find a reason to get home to your wife and tell her, we're not doing anything that was covered in church today. You're just wasting everybody's time. You're wasting your time. You're wasting his time or whoever's preaching his time. It's not worth it. All right, there's no reason for you to put yourself in that kind of position. But then on the flip side, so we as the congregation also have authority, and like I was talking about earlier, when it comes to church discipline-related things. It, uh, a church is not just a one-man show where it's just a pastor up there that handles literally everything. I think that when it comes to church discipline, the congregation has just as much of a part of that as the pastor does and your responsibility. Because, you know, how would you like it if it was basically like, we all just show up to church one day, and, you know, someone's missing, and it's just like, we don't know, but Pastor Mertri threw him out and then never told any of us about it. And it's just like a month has gone by, someone hasn't been there, we're like driving to their house, seeing if they're alive, you know, and, but it's all thrown out. No, the whole congregation takes part in that. The whole congregation, and it's not like the whole congregation just makes the decisions for everything. But we as a church, you know, for example, if, you know, I'll use myself as an example. If I find out that someone in the congregation is committing fornication or doing any one of these things, I'm going to make sure that gets dealt with, you know, because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This is a serious thing. You know, meeting in this church, this church, the work that we do, it's all a very serious thing. If we neglect that. And we don't pay attention to it and are just like, eh, fornication, it's not that big of a deal. We don't need to throw them out. I really like them. They're a nice person. I don't want them to not be able to come to church anymore. Look, they are the ones that put themselves in that situation. It's their fault, not yours. All right? If you find out that somebody is committing a horrible, horrible sin and you just sit on it and don't do anything about it, you're in the wrong and you're neglecting your responsibility to judge. Now, if you find out that somebody's doing something, it's not like you just have the authority to snap your fingers and throw them out of the church, but you bring the issue before the church and we as a congregation deal with the issue. All right? It's not no one has the individual authority to snap their fingers and just decide, I don't like so and so, they're not welcome at church anymore. That's not true. But we do have a responsibility as a church and we need to take it. Seriously, so the last place I want to have you turn is 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And when it comes to this issue of judging and figuring out where you need to judge, I was really thinking about it. I think that when you are just getting really overly concerned about what other people are doing in their lives and you don't have authority in it, I think that you're just demonstrating to me that you've got a real serious lack of faith. OK, God will judge every person in this world. God will judge everything that every person does. If you feel like you have to intervene in this situation or it'll never be taken care of and they will get away with it. No, they won't. God will judge everything. Look in Second Corinthians, chapter number five in verse number nine. It says, wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. We... All will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for what we've been given someday and how we did with it. And we will put on all the things that we've done, the precious stones, the gold, the silver, but then also the wood, hay, and stubble. And it will be burned with fire, and whatever remains is whatever we accomplish in reality. And the thing is, if you're just so overly concerned about all the different things in your brother in Christ's life, That are a bad problem. Do you not understand he's going to stand before God someday and answer that? If you have no authority over their life, you don't need to worry about it. You should be glad when you don't have to worry about dealing with something. I don't want to deal with your guys' problems and bring the hammer down on you or any one of these other things. I hope you guys don't feel like you want to deal with all of my problems and bring the hammer down on me. If you do, that's just kind of weird, you know? You, you shouldn't want to know all the bad things and horrible things. Look, here's the thing. God knows. Do you believe that God exists and that he knows everything and that he sees everything? I don't have to worry about the things that someone does in secret or the things that they do that I don't really like because I know that God's going to take care of that someday. I'm not overly concerned with policing everybody's life, especially unsaved people. I'm not worried about what some random unsaved person does. I'm not saying like, oh, my neighbor shot and killed somebody, not my job, I'm not judging. No, obviously don't go to stupid extremes. But I'm saying that when you look at people's lives and you think that they're doing something wrong, it's not something that you really need to stress that much about. You don't really need to worry about it. But our society would fix all of this no judging stuff if people would just judge in the areas that they have been given to judge. If bosses would be strong leaders and have employees follow them and listen to them. If husbands would be strong leaders and have their wives submit to them. If parents would be strong leaders and have their children obey them. Society would be way better. But the problem is is that nobody wants to take authority in their life where everything is. You know what everybody does today? And and this is across the board. We all do this. Uh, The other side does this is we all just complain about things that we can't do anything about in any way, shape, or form, all right? It's like America would just be so much better if we can just fix everybody that's in Washington, D.C., and just change them all out. And if this guy gets in there, then my marriage will get better. No, it won't, okay? Your marriage can be fine regardless of who's a politician. And, you know, I'm not saying that anybody in here is, like, neglecting their responsibilities to do this stuff, but it's like when you just get to the point where you're so worried about things that are happening a 1,000 miles away from here, when you don't even have the ability to take care of the things that are here, you're just in over your head. And, you know, really think about in your life where you have authority at. Or think about in your life the people that you should be submitting to and that you should be listening to. And consider all of the junk in your life that you've gathered up all this time that you just have no reason to even be worried about it. Whether it's drama that happens in other churches, drama that happens in other people's marriages and other people's homes, none of your business. You don't have to worry about it. There's no reason for it. You will be such a happier person. You'll have a better marriage. You'll be more pleasing to God if you just worry about yourself. And I'm not saying that you just have this attitude. Well, I'm never going to judge anything anymore. I'm never going to worry about anything. No. Judge the areas that God has given you to judge. Take care of the things that you are responsible for. And if you do that, I think you'll be greatly blessed and greatly pleased with the results that you get. So with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done for us, Lord. I thank you just for laying these things clearly out in the Bible. And I pray that you just help us all to look into our life and look into the areas that we need to judge, the things that we're responsible for. I pray that you just help us to take this message and uh, make our families better, make our church stronger, that we can better serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.